Ah, to live the life of a dog. I'm a dog lover. My wife and I have had one or two dogs with us for the majority of our married life. And for those of you who have and or love dogs, I'm betting you've had times of admiring the generally low-key life that they lead. Our old English bulldog, named Bingley, spends much of his day snoozing. But even so, there is one regular battle we fight when bedtime rolls around. I'll tell you more coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to the show that is all about spiritual direction. Each day we're seeking to give you some encouragement and inspiration for living out your faith today. This is The Inner Life, and I'm your host, Patrick Conley. Yes, our bulldog Bingley, when not eating, playing outside while we do the chores, or having the occasional bout of the zoomies, is usually found sacked out, usually in our mudroom, which is mostly his room. He's got both a dog bed and his kennel where he sleeps at night in there. Now, this is not a large room, and this does play into it, but it's not a large room. It's maybe all of 12 feet maybe, from his daytime dog bed to his nighttime kennel. Still, as often as not, when it's bedtime, he gets closed in his kennel. Uh, I'll I'll walk into the room when he's about to get closed into his kennel and find him snoring away on the daytime dog bed. And I'll tell him repeatedly, come on, Bingley, it's bedtime. And he'll just lift up his head and look at me. (laughs) I'll grab a treat. I'll increase the volume and severity of my voice. Bingley, bedtime. Still, he just refuses to get up and walk the 10-second journey to his kennel, where, as he knows, he can go right back to sleep. (laughs) I was thinking about this regular challenge that we face here in our household in preparation for the show today, and I wondered just how often I'm like Bingley. Sure, There have been times when I've had to wake up enough just to go to bed, but I mean more in the spiritual realm. How often have I been tempted just to forego the daily Mass or the usual prayer time or praying my rosary for no better reason than I just don't feel like it? And how many times have I given in to that temptation? Well, temptations like these are little nudges toward what can become a large problem, the problem of acedia and spiritual sloth. And when full-blown, this can lead a person down a dangerous path away from the Lord and the abundant life he came to bring. And that's why today, here on the show, we're talking about sloth and acedia, what they are, what dangers lie within them, and how to combat them. Guiding our discussion today is our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung. Father Craig is a priest for the Diocese of Austin, Texas, where he serves as the pastor of St. Louis, King of France Parish there in Austin. Father Craig, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thanks for being with us again. It's good to be back, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So sloth and acedia, these are, I mean, I, we might be familiar with the term sloth as one of the, uh, one of the deadly sins, um, but uh, we might not have a robust definition of it. How, how does the Church define sloth and acedia, Father? Well, it is, um, 
you know, as a deadly sin, it's, it's fairly nuanced, but uh, it's often described as sort of a sadness about obtaining a spiritual good, which we might think of as sort of a I don't care feeling. Um, something's too tiresome or too difficult. And so we sort of, in a certain sense, are indifferent or even maybe even despise the spiritual good that we should desire and long to obtain. Um, so in, in a real way, it's sort of the sin of being lukewarm. Um, rather than being passionate about something, we grow cold uh, about the goods that we should uh, really be passionate about obtaining. And uh, so as a deadly sin, um, it leads to sort of an interior death of the spiritual life when we uh, allow it to sort of um, rule our lives. Mm, okay. And I mean, is this something that, I mean, just based on like the story that I was saying that there are times, and I, I'm not saying that it's a full-blown, you know, manifestation of this sin, but I, I am I wrong in thinking that these little times of just saying, uh, you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to do that, I don't want to pray, whatever it is, that those are at least temptations toward that, or, or am I misreading that? No, I think that's correct. Um, I think that that's a big part of, of the spiritual life, and um you know, I think, uh, you know, this sin is some kind, sometimes has been called in history, the noonday devil. And, yes, uh, right. Uh, sort, sort of connecting with, you know, the, the monks or the, the friars who would be in their cells and uh, praying a very strict or, or stringent rule of life. And it sort of gets to that point of the day where you know what the rule of life is that you're supposed to follow, but the passions, the emotions aren't there. You sort of be like, man, that's really hard. I should just sort of give in and not do the thing that I have sort of committed to do uh, for the good of, of the spiritual life and the following of, of the rule. And so it kind of comes around noon, right? Sort of the okay, noonday yep. devil, the, the sixth hour. And so that's exactly it is, is we know that going to Mass, um, not just our Sunday obligation, but daily Mass could be good for us. And that's a part of, of, of a life that I'm called to. I know the Lord's calling me to that in my life, and I have time to do that, these sorts of things. And yet, oh man, it just seems too hard to get out of bed today. Um, the rosary that you, you talked about, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I want to pray the rosary, but instead I end up scrolling through Facebook because it seems like less trouble for me. Uh, those would be very Wait clearly, I think, manifestations. I do, I do have to ask you, Father, do you have like cameras set up in my house or something here? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is watching. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Reading souls. That's very good, Father. I'm glad we have you on the program today. Oh, well, yeah. there we go. <laughs> uh, well, uh, obviously, uh, the, this is a temptation. I think that, I mean, would you say it's pretty common? I mean, this seems like something that most of us face, at least the temptation from, t from time to time and, and maybe pretty regularly throughout the spiritual life. Well, as a, as a capital sin, um, you know, one of the deadly sins, uh, I think we all tend to participate in them all to some degree. Um, you know, some are more pronounced in our lives than others, but if you have one, you probably have all of them. And uh, so when I think about uh, sloth or, you know, ascetia, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very common one, I think, today in American culture. I, I don't know about the rest of the world because I don't live in the rest of the world, but it, it seems to be a... Um, a very uh, strong sin sort of manifests in our culture. So I, I'm not surprised that, um, you know, I struggle with it, uh, that you struggle with it. I, I think probably anyone listening to our show, show to a certain extent struggles with it. Uh, I think the challenge sometimes is, is not letting it be something that leads you into a scrupulosity. Um, but also we have to be vigilant against uh, sloth because it's a sin against both charity and justice. And so we want to uh, be diligent and, and use that counter virtue to, to 
develop a diligence in our spiritual lives and then our responsibilities and duties. Yeah, diligence. Okay, we, we I do want to get into that, but let's uh let's explore just maybe a bit further about some of the when we when we might start to give into these temptations. It seems to me that there's a there's a little bit of a cyclical effect here. Like if we just if we uh, blow it off once, whatever it may be, uh, and I'm not again, I'm not talking about like you said, Father. I'm not talking about. Um, like our obligation for Sunday Mass. But, you know, maybe it's saying my morning prayers or it's just uh, maybe it's at the other end of the day when I'm when I'm headed for, to bed and, you know what, I'm just too tired. I'm going to I'm just not going to say my nighttime prayers or do my daily examine or whatever it is. Um, but there seems to be it's just that much easier the next day or when it rolls around again that I happen to be tired um, that I can just say, well, I did it before. It didn't seem to have that much of a detrimental effect. So. I guess I'll do it again. Am I right about that? Yes. So, I mean, the thing about both vices and virtues is they have sort of a momentum that when you you do certain things, um, you have a habit of continuing to do those things. And so building routines of doing them. So the more you give into it, uh, the more momentum it sort of gains in your life. And uh, sloth is certainly one of those. Um, Another way of thinking about it is, you know, when a fire goes out, it's harder to get it lit. Yeah, uh, okay. You know, and so um, if if you sort of grow cold and let that fire go out through, through the sin of sloth, um, then it's really hard to sort of get it lit and get it get it out of that, and that that of course requires grace. And um, you know, I think certainly confession is one of those fire starters. And uh, keeping the fire burning is is the spiritual disciplines keeps that that divine life alive within the soul. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear from our listeners on this as well, because it, certainly if it is at least there's temptations in this direction. If you have dealt with those temptations. And uh, what do you do? You know, provide some provide some conversation fodder here. Uh, get some inspiration and encouragement going for others as well. Give us a call. Join the conversation. Our toll-free studio line is 888-914-9149. Again, that number, 888-914-9149. That's sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Our, in, our, excuse me, our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, maybe even now you're experiencing a sluggishness or a sorrow about spiritual things, and you have questions about how to deal with that. Again, 888-914-9149. Um, Father, is it easy to identify? I mean, I think we can identify um, when, you know, yeah, I, I didn't do that just out of apathy or whatever it might be. But uh, and I and I probably need to to uh, come clean with that to confess before the Lord in that that I was I was that way. Um, but with that being the case, is it would you say that it's easy to identify um, when we've been slothful? I mean, how do we know that we've been slothful that we've kind of given into that temptation? Well, I think you know when I we first started talking about this, I said it was somewhat nuanced, and I guess what I meant by that is it is difficult to know sometimes when we've been slothful, right? Yeah, okay. Um, and I think the part of that is uh, because um, it's often a sin of omission rather than commission, meaning something we didn't do rather than something we did do. And so sometimes it's difficult to identify the things we should be doing, and we, we get sort of um, back and forth on that. Should I have done that? Should I have not? Is it really something I, I should have done? Should I, is it really a big deal I didn't pray my rosary or go to daily Mass today? Um, because in a certain sense, you might call them optional, meaning that they're not um, sort of uh, – it's not sort of the bare minimum. Um, yeah. But 
you know, I think that's, that's the challenge is when we constantly are settling for sort of a mediocrity, always sort of doing the basics and only the bare minimum that we need to do, um, that, that's a problem too, because love desires to give abundantly. And the response of love should be something that's uh, magnanimous, right? That we're always, uh, when we're presented with two choices, we want to choose the greater choice uh, rather than settling for the lesser. Um, within the context of the state of our life and our true capacities, right? You know, the Lord doesn't ask us to give more than we can. He says, give, you know, in the you know, feeding of 5,000, he says, give the couple loaves of bread that you have, the couple fish that you have, and he multiplies the rest. We are called to give what we have, um, but within we have to trust the Lord to provide the rest. And so there are times when the duties and demands of life will prevent you from attending a daily mass or from praying your rosary that day. Um, but interiorly, that examination of sort of looking within yourself and saying, I had the opportunity, I felt called to it by the Lord, and yet I chose the lesser thing. Uh, and in that case, uh, I would, you know, say, I, I think I've committed the sin of sloth. Okay. All right. That's helpful already, Father. Appreciate that. Our spiritual director today, Father Craig DeYoung, we're talking about sloth and ascetia and uh, kind of feeling that sluggishness or even sorrow towards spiritual things about uh, cultivating our relationship with the Lord. Something that, uh, to a degree, I think we all, it faces us at different times within our spiritual lives. Give us a call and join the conversation if you have questions or comments about sloth or ascetia, 888-914-9149. I guess one of the things, too, in kind of to trying to identify this within our lives and where it may be popping up, we might not even be recognizing it. Can you think of habits that we might be tempted toward? I mean, you already mentioned scrolling through Facebook, right? Um, habits that we might be cultivating and that are unwittingly leading us into these these problems, areas of sluggish, spiritual sluggishness? Yes, I think... Um... You know, I think one of those things is when we're constantly settling for the easy way of doing things. You know, I think um, it doesn't mean we're, I mean, it doesn't mean necessarily that you always have to do the hardest way of doing a thing. But the idea of convenience um, and building a convenient life where everything is sort of designed in a way uh, to sort of meet my need and to meet it most immediately and uh, sort of to, to create a life of just simply comfort and pleasure. Um, I think those sorts of things uh, can sort of train us uh, to not be able to choose to do hard things, not only in our spiritual, uh, in our regular life, but in our spiritual life. So uh, when we neglect some of the physical things like our health or our diet, uh, when we neglect uh, getting good rest or having time for reflection and having slow times in our life, if it's always busy, 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 you might say, well, that's not uh, sloth. I'm always busy. I'm always doing something. Um, but also there's a neglect in, in maybe doing the harder thing for you, which would be to have silence, to put aside distractions, to be able to engage with your thoughts, feelings, and desires um, in order to sort of um, do the spiritual work that's necessary. And so I, I think um, that sense of immediacy, that sense of, of um, sort of, I guess, looking for the easy thing and yeah. uh, not doing hard things in my life would very much dispose me to sloth uh, as it comes as well to sort of this like, wow, that spiritual thing seems so hard to sort of obtain. Oh, man, I'm just not, I don't right. want to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
And I'm, I'm glad you brought up that uh, there are physical factors that we have. We do have some degree of control over that can contribute to that as well, like not not getting enough rest or being too busy, being overly busy with things that are of our kind of secular whatever is going on, our, our profession or maybe being a, a husband, a wife, a parent or something like that, that uh, that too can can kind of lead down that path. So good stuff, Father. Uh, let's take a phone call. We've got Mary calling in from Stockton, California. Mary, good morning. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you. Good morning. Um, the other day I was feeling exactly what you're talking about, and it was growing to the point where I was having time, you know, hard time getting out of bed in the morning. I just wanted to crawl under the covers. It was dark out, gloomy, you know, rainy, that kind of weather. And I think I was succumbing to it to the point where every day it was getting later and later when I'd get out of bed. And I happened to be with a friend and she and I were talking about that. She said, think on the good things. She said, I was um, feeling that way. And then I remembered the scripture to think of the true and the beautiful and those things that are light. And she said, I just started thinking about happy things and I was popping out of bed and I started doing dishes. I just had a really great day. I said, okay, I think I'm going to try that. So the next day I got up, I woke up, wanted to go back to sleep. And I started thinking about butterflies and just simple things. And I was out of bed. And the day went well. Today is even better because I started the day. Well, I always start with a little prayer. Yeah, I try to say the Our Father, whatever, but sometimes I doze off. And, you know, but I was able to actually awaken with joy because I was thinking of beautiful things rather than my own self and what I wanted to do for myself. And that would be to just blot it all out. <laughs> Mary, that is so beautiful, and I feel like your friend may be a theologian, because that's kind of the <laughs> advice that Thomas Aquinas gives us, um, you know, to resist those uh, temptations towards sloth by considering the good, um, the true, the beautiful, right, to, to really um, sort of cultivate in your heart a desire for those things by reflecting on them uh, as a way of resisting sloth. So I love that example. It's such a simple thing, and uh, I'm going to use it, so... that's very good that's exactly what we're looking for mary thank you so much for some advice some inspiration for others and things that they might try when uh dealing with the with the temptations towards sloth and acidia that's what we're talking about here on the program today this kind of sluggishness or sorrow about spiritual things about cultivating our relationship with the lord if you have thoughts questions about how you can deal with this in your own life give us a call 888-914-9149 again 888-914-9149 888-914-9149 or send us an email innerlife at relevantradio.com We'll be right back with more of the show right after the short break. Stay with us. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. (music) 
Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. So grateful that you've tuned in today for this hour of spiritual direction with our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung. We're talking about sloth and acidia today, a sorrow or sluggishness towards spiritual things, towards, towards really maintaining and growing your relationship with the Lord. And it's something that does, uh, at least we're faced with the temptation in those directions, I think, uh, many times, and it's a pretty common ailment. So if you have ways in which you have struggled with it, or maybe you have questions about something you're dealing with right now, give us a call at 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, we had an email come in from Mac, and Mac writes this, uh, I pray the rosary two or three times a day. I feel like I've fallen into dryness of spirituality quite often. Sometimes I wonder if I just stepped aside for a while and came back to it, I would have greater reverence in my prayer. Is that sloth creeping in, or is it something that actually might benefit my spiritual life? Well, this certainly brings us into the nuances surrounding sloth. Um, because that's something I would say that needs some sort of examination and discernment in the sense that, um, again, there may be times when the Lord is inviting us uh, to make a change in spiritual practices um, for some uh, particular cause, namely to to draw out of our heart perhaps a deeper faith, hope, and charity. Um, But also there may be times when the Lord is uh, allowing dryness for that very same purpose where we're meant to learn to persevere and to respond based off of faith, hope, and charity. And so um, that's something that I would take into prayer and ask the Lord, um, essentially, you know, um, God, (laughs) my relationship with you is in this way. Um, I want to know, love, and serve you. I ask for your grace and your help in uh, moving forward in the spiritual life. Um, and then really begin to seek the question is, Lord, are you asking me to maybe, um, you know, make a slight change here and uh, to try something new, to read a new spiritual work, um, maybe to go to adoration more often, um, or, you know, perhaps it's simply, no, this is a time where you're being invited to continue your spiritual so that, uh, the trial of this dryness, uh, may help you to trust more in me and less in yourself and, and the feelings that things bring. And so um, it, it, that examination would be, is there sort of uh, in your own heart a sorrow towards uh, the spiritual good that's there um, that, uh, you know, leads you to sort of an indifference? I don't care if I pray the rosary or not. I don't care if I grow spiritually or not. And uh, if those things are sort of lacking, then and you're like, no, I really do like praying the rosary. Remember when that was really good, and I want to grow in my faith with the Lord. Um, it might seem that it's more a time of dryness than maybe an indication of of the sin of sloth. Very good clarification there, Father. I appreciate that. And Mac, really appreciate the question, too, because I think uh, we've done other shows on dryness. And um, as you were pointing out, Father, that's not necessarily the same thing here. But uh, nonetheless, that was going to be one of my questions for you anyway, Father, is that is changing up of spiritual practices, is that something that we can do? But it sounds like um, we need to really investigate, okay, um, where is the Lord in in the kind of our motivation to change up? Is it, uh, is it just a, a, is it something that we desperately want to grow deeper and closer to the Lord? Or is it more of, yeah, I just don't feel like doing it. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, that's a, that's a great way of describing it. And, um, you know, we talk about things like consolation and desolation in the spiritual life. And, uh, you know, I think what we're saying here is that desolation is not necessarily the same thing as sloth always. Right. Um, you know, desolation comes in the spiritual life. I, I think, um, 
if I remember correctly, St. Ignatius kind of gives three reasons that sort of uh, happens. One is that we forget that it's a gift from the Lord and we're, we're not giving thanks to the Lord and recognizing who the gift giver is. Uh, two would be our own personal sin that we've we've committed some sin of some kind, and so we need to go. Oh, I need to go to confession and repent and and believe in the gospel, right? Um, and uh, renew that relationship with the Lord. And the third would be that the Lord is giving us a time of trial. It's actually something the Lord is permitting uh, for the purpose of drawing out of our hearts uh, these greater gifts, right? Of, of of giving us gifts in those times of trial and, and difficulty. Okay. Yeah. Very helpful, Father. Very helpful all the way around. And it's uh, as we're kind of dissecting it, it's it's becoming more and more. Uh, I think with a lot of these spiritual temptations, if we if we put them under the microscope a little bit, it actually helps us to identify. Well, where is this present in my life, and how severe is it? And one of the things, I guess, as I'm just thinking through this, Father, one of the things that it just occurs to me, maybe, I don't know if it's a regular course, but maybe a course that uh, could be run if we're, if we're not holding sloth in check, is that if we, you know, if we start just kind of giving in to those little temptations of not over, not, you know, not overlooking or not, uh, not avoiding the obligatory or the kind of bare minimum things, but like you said, some of the other things that aren't necessarily obligatory but are helpful, um, then I can see how maybe there's this little bit of conscience that might flare up and say, well, that might not have been the best choice. And then we might get into this place of actually uh, thinking, uh, well, God is, it might warp our image of God, right? God is just this taskmaster who won't let me have one day off without praying the rosary or, you know, something like that. So I think it can have a profound effect. And and we start to, we start to feel maybe some animosity, maybe not toward God directly, but towards the good in general. Would you agree? Yes. In fact, I think that's sort of, you know, the wages of sin is, is a certain death, right? It's a spiritual yeah. death. And I think that's why we call sloth a deadly sin is that when it is left unchecked and it builds that momentum, just like, you know, um, if our life is filled with venial sins, it often leads us to mortal sins. Um, so it is with sloth that in sort of small amounts left unchecked, it can sort of grow, gain that momentum and lead to a spiritual death, which very much, I think, coalesces into what you've just described, a sort of, um, you know, sort of resentment or even hatred towards God who asks this spiritual life of us, but does so out of love for us, but you fail to see the sense of love that God is saying that this is actually something that's that's good for you, that will bring you happiness, but rather it begins to seem like God is denying us the thing that we want, um, that he is punishing us, that he does not love us, that he is demanding of us something that's unreasonable. It can even turn into, um, at its height, I think, not just an indifference, but it can even begin to turn into a malice or even hatred for spiritual goods. And that is certainly the level where mortal sin begins to enter in, where we reject spiritual goods from that place, and we knowingly and willfully reject them um, in that way. And I think sloth um, very much is an on-ramp to to that place. You know, and, and, and as we're talking about that more serious thing, you know, we're talking about the spiritual life and we're talking about spiritual practices here. Um, but sloth also manifests in other places of responsibility or relationship. I'm specifically thinking about parents' responsibility uh, to form their kids in the faith, right? Uh, to raise them um, as disciples of Jesus Christ, to impart the love of the Lord to them. So often uh, we're not 
diligent about that. Um, uh, and we sort of, in sloth, we neglect it because it seems too hard to navigate those relationships or that it's not wanted or that I have to correct my son or my daughter in discipline when um, I really want them to have affection towards me and not be angry and these sorts of things. That sloth also manifests in those ways where uh, there is a spiritual good of uh, fulfilling our duty and responsibility, imparting the faith, giving people um, you know, um, the Lord teaching them how to pray, how to have a schedule that isn't so full that we have time for recollection, all, all of those sorts of things that we're responsible for as parents. When that seems too hard or we sort of ignore those responsibilities, we're indifferent to them, that too would be part of the sin of sloth. And it can not only kill our spiritual life, but can also kill the life of God in our families or in our homes or in our marriages. Wow. That's pretty profound, Father. And uh, I think uh, we... Probably all of us know some examples in our lives of where where we've seen that, at least in the lives of some around us too, and know that that's a, that can be a really deadly thing. Um, and and like you pointed out, I'm so grateful that you pointed that out. It's not only to our own spiritual life, but to the spiritual lives of those who are entrusted to our care as well. I think it's very good. We're talking about sloth and ascetia today here on the program. Uh, if you struggle with any kind of spiritual sorrow or spiritual sluggishness, kind of not feeling it, not not thinking, uh, so that not feeling it actually leads you to neglecting some practice of the spiritual life, and you'd like to ask a question about that, 888 is our phone number, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, um, such a great point and many great points. I think one more clarifying thing before we get into really, you know, what can we do to start combating this or what 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 befalls us or what, what are we supposed to do to start combating this? Um, it probably stands to reason that we should probably make a clarification uh, between sloth and then I was, I'm just thinking back to Mary's phone call about not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, which I'm sure we've all had that experience. But it also, I mean, I want to clarify between sloth and uh, something like depression, clinical depression especially, but um, that this, those are not the same thing either, yeah? Yeah, I think uh, they are certainly um, uh, connected. Uh, yeah. You know, things that incline us towards sin, and some of those things that incline us towards sin is, is our, our physical state, um, illness that we suffer from. Uh, temperament, um, you know, things that have happened to us in our life uh, that are not sins, right? So things that may be other people's sins, all of those things, the traumas that we've experienced, um, they affect us and affect us. And uh, so I think something like clinical depression, we don't want to confuse. We want to diagnose, I think, in a certain sense, and, and do so by the grace of God and in his presence um, and with the help of, you know, perhaps others who are skilled in these things, counselors, uh, spiritual directors, priests, uh, friends, uh, these sorts of things, where we sort of look and say, like, okay, what is going on here? So I don't want to get out of bed. Um, and this is not just, uh, you know, sort of a, a laziness, but, like, I feel physically impossible to actually do it. Uh, there's a Severity, there's a gravity. Uh, you can sort of uh, look at some of those things, and it may be that in order to break out of that, to sort of um, you, that you'll need to treat the physical, the mental, the emotional um, causes, and uh, there may not be sin there because the Lord does not ask us to do what we are actually incapable of doing. Um, now we have to pray for grace and, and recognize that we can't necessarily do the things uh, you know that we're called to do without God's help. And it does take effort from us. Um, so we don't want to sort of fall into despair, but we also don't want to presume. We want to hope. Uh, we want to hope in God. And so, yes, I think you're right, you know, that, um, you know, 
clinical depression would be very different from what Mary has described, uh, where there's sort of a simple sort of solution of just sort of thinking about the good things. However, thinking about the good things when you're in a sense of clinical depression may actually also be helpful for your depression to be um, thinking about the spiritual goods and the beauty that's there and the friendship that exists and the people who love us. Um, All of those things may be helpful in that situation as well, in addition to have um, to counseling and also then perhaps medication. Mm, Very good. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the things we can do to help combat sloth and acidia in our lives, Father. Um, as you've mentioned, at least as I've been taking notes here, you've been you've mentioned uh, diligence in the spiritual life. Um, you uh, had mentioned thinking about the spiritual goods um, in response to Mary's phone call. You talked about uh, even receiving the counsel of other, maybe a spiritual director or a pastor or something like that. Um, any other things, or do you want to go into more depth on any one of those particular things or yeah, other things that we can do? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about there, I think. I mean, so diligence is um, is what we describe as sort of the counter-virtue to sloth or acidia. And, um, you know, it's sort of a constant and an earnest sort of effort, you know, to uh, obtain the spiritual good. And, and that, you know, it, it, that's sort of regardless of sort of external circumstances or even sometimes interior circumstances. Um, it's a sense of um, this recognizing that it is a good, and that's kind of what Mary has described, of sort of thinking about the things that are beautiful and good and true and, and, and recognizing the true good that is there. Um, you know, uh, that's kind of a, a really important step. And then sort of building a strategy or a plan uh, to obtain that spiritual good. You know, we do this all the time with things like exercise, for example. Yeah. Um, we do it with diets. We do it um, with our work, setting goals for projects and uh, how to to accomplish those things. And often we're doing that with other people uh, involved and there's sort of checks and, and balances. And, um, you know, we, we realize that there's a necessity of having other people involved with that. I, I would say there's something of that in diligence as well, that if we want to build a constant and earnest effort to obtain the thing that is good, then we need sort of a strategy. Uh, we need to sort of come up with a plan that is probably gradual. You don't sort of go to being healthy in a day. You have to, to take steps in it. Um, and then also including others and having sort of goals that are, you know, specific and measurable and attainable and all those sorts of good factors. But then also the accountability, um, having people who encourage, sharing that journey with others. Uh, when you're discouraged, having ways of processing that with friends who will, who will kind of uh, help you in that place and pray for you and intercede for you. And then also having good examples. You know, you usually mm-hmm. typically have something like a coach or you have, um, you know, when you're, you're physically getting in shape, you might go to a gym. Um, well, in this, we should go to a church and we might go to a small group and we might be part of a, a discipleship group or something like that. Um, so there's there's lots of things we can do to grow in diligence that isn't just me sort of trying harder on my own to accomplish the thing. Uh, rather, there's sort of a systematic and communal and spiritual approach. Um, but all of that, of course, begins with asking God for the grace, right? Asking him for his help, asking him uh, to help you to build this virtue. And uh, to be patient, you know, with your falls, because, you know, when kids are learning to walk, they fall a lot, but eventually they learn to walk. And the same is true for us in, in building habits of virtue. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the analogical relationship between our spiritual life and say our physical life. You're talking about exercise or diet or something like that. That there's, I mean, diligence pays off in those areas. So I don't know why we wouldn't think that it might pay off in our spiritual life as well. 
Uh, I might have a follow-up question to that, Father, but I tell you what, let's take our next break, and then uh, I'll come back to it after the break here. We are talking about Sloth and Assetia with our spiritual director, Father Craig DeYoung, the pastor of St. Louis King of France Parish in Austin, Texas. If you have ways in which you have maybe felt a little bit like not doing it and then given in and said, you know what, I'm not going to say my usual prayers today and have questions about that. Or if you have actually dealt with that and overcome through the grace of God, give us a call about that too. 888-914-9149 is our phone number. Interlife at RelevantRadio.com is our email address. We'll be back with more of the show right after this short break. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. Thanks to Nick Sandovich, our producer, and Thomas Angus are taking your phone calls today. We are grateful that you have tuned in. And if you would like to yeah, join us, well, you know what? Six months from now, we're talking about Sloth and Asidia on the program today. Uh, don't put it off. Six months from now, you will have missed it. I'm talking about the National Eucharistic Congress, of course, coming up in July of this year in Indianapolis. Join us there. Our whole crew at Relevant Radio is going to be there, and we'd love to see you there as well. Let's all show up for Jesus. Check out our travel packages put together for us by Nativity Pilgrimage at relevantradio.com slash encounter. Our spiritual director today is Father Craig DeYoung, pastor of St. Louis King of France Parish in Austin, Texas. We are talking about sloth and acidia, about uh, maybe the sluggishness or sorrow about cultivating the spiritual goods in our lives. And maybe that can, as we've said, manifest in ways of even getting to the point of despising the good, despising our Lord himself. Well, Father, just before the break there, we were talking. you were talking about diligence and used analogically speaking just. Uh, you know, how we can be diligent about our diet, diligent about exercise, that sort of thing as well, and and applying that to our spiritual lives. But uh, with diet and with with exercise, those sorts of things, I mean, there are there are measurable results, right? I can step on the scale and see that I'm losing weight. I can see that I'm able to tighten my belt to the next notch or something like that. Are there measurable results like that when applying diligence to the spiritual life? And if so, what are they and how might we look for them? Well, it is uh, practically a bit more difficult in the spiritual life where we're dealing with things that are invisible, uh, but we are, you know, both, you know, soul and body. So I think um, those things will have manifestations. I don't know if you can measure it in a number the same way you would the weight on the scale or an increased amount of weight you can lift or how much cardio you can do. Um, But I think you will see the fruits in it um, because virtue has to do with, in, in a real way, becoming a saint, right? Becoming more fully alive in Christ Jesus, that, that when we build those habits and practice those virtues, we're reaching our, our potential. Um, and we're actually finding ourselves being more fulfilled, more happy, more blessed, um, and, and sharing in that life of God. I think the capacity for love increases uh, as we counteract these virtues. So I think where we'll see that is in the fruit of our relationships with God, the depth of our intimacy and relationship with the Lord, um, the desire for prayer, the desire for the sacraments. 
Uh, I think we'll see it too in your own conversion of, of heart, right? In those places where your passions are often uh, inclining you towards sin, I think you'll rejoice more readily with the good. Um, you'll be willing to give more joyfully and more sacrificially um, out of love for God. And then also your relationships with others. I think, you know, uh, you'll see the fruit in your relationship with your spouse, if you're less slothful, uh, with your children, uh, you'll see the fruit in their lives, uh, your grandchildren. And uh, I think those are the sorts of things we're looking for, in addition to simply the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? You know, I think uh, we, we sort of have a deepening or a depth in those places as well. And so you could do sort of maybe a subjective sort of check-in where you add, assign a number, uh, you know, one through five, okay. or one through 10 in your journal, and sort of check in with yourself and say, you know, where am I at in, in these, you know, the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Where am I at in my relationship with God and others? How do I feel about that? Um, on a scale of one to 10, you know, and you put like, ah, I feel like maybe a six right now. Okay, well, we'll sort of track that over time. Um, and that might help you to sort of notice the progress that's being made. Um, but also, I think what happens as we, we grow in virtue is begin to leave certain things with the old life behind, and we embrace a new life. And I think you'll see that in terms of where you spend your free time, how you um, invest in people, uh, your willingness to do sort of some of the harder things, um, your desire for holy things will grow um, along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. I like that. I especially like the idea of journaling, especially if it if it is something that you're struggling with. I could see how journaling could be a really helpful part, even if it, it doesn't have to be necessarily long entries, right, Father? I mean, it could be just, you know, just making a note of this is kind of where I'm at, this is where I want to be, um, and then just keeping track of that, like you said, over time. Well, one of the things that I've sort of done, and it's just, you know, it takes five minutes, and I have to say I have not been as diligent <laughs> as I should be in this. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the night, when I do my exam of conscience, I, um, I used to sort of write down a highlight, a low light, and sort of a God moment. Um, sometimes people sort of call it um, sort of a rose, a bud, and a thorn. You know, oh. so a rose is something beautiful. A bud is something that's growing or needs to grow. And a thorn is something that hurts or is a struggle or is a sin or something like that. And so, you know, noting those things down um, is a great way of sort of maybe reflecting on the your interior life and where the Lord is moving and working. And um, maybe seeing that over time might might help you to see sort of the pattern and see some of the growth as well. Okay, very good. Well, I, I like that, a rose, a bud, and a thorn. I can get, I can... I can get on board with that. That sounds good to me, Father. Uh, uh, yeah. So I tell you what, let's uh, let's go back to the phones. We've got Beverly calling in from Calumet City, Illinois. Beverly, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Uh, my question is, I say the rosary every night, but I am laying down in bed with relevant radio on, and Father Rocky is um, saying the rosary and giving a meditation before each mystery. So is that good or bad that I'm laying down in bed listening to that and meditating on each mystery? Well, I think that is wonderful. And, you know, when we have a devotion, which the rosary is a devotion, um, it's meant to help us um, to um, enter into the mysteries of God, right? His life, his death, his resurrection, who the Lord is. And so we meditate on those various mysteries. We sort of allow ourselves to be present to them. And the action of praying the rosary is meant to help us to do that. And so if that is a way that helps you to sort of reflect on that mystery, to be uh, present and, and close to the Lord, 
uh, I would say that that is a good and fruitful thing. Um, if, however, <laughs> doing that leads you to a place of sleep is sleep 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 uh, sleepishness. I hope that's a word. Um, <laughs> and uh, and sort of allowing uh, that to sort of just be a place of of sort of fading away into sleep when it should be your prayer time. Maybe that's a little different. Uh, you know, uh, and I think uh, you, you kind of have to understand what that time really is uh, in, in your sort of your your rule of life. Um, but it sounds to me like that's probably a great practice that you're reflecting on the mystery, listening to um, Father Lockie, and uh, you are doing the action of the rosary and you are deepening in that experience of Christ. Yeah, God bless you, Beverly. Thank you for praying with Father Rocky and Maggie and the Family Rosary Across America. That's at 7 p.m. Central every day, in case people are not aware of that. But thank you, too, for your faithful prayers and your devotion to Our Lady and Our Lord through the Rosary. Well, Father, um, it does bring it to mind, though, that perhaps one of the ways of combating uh, sloth when we're tempted not to do something is maybe instead of changing up a, a spiritual practice, like taking on a different, which could be, I mean, we talked about that earlier in the show, but maybe even adopting a new physical posture might be helpful in combating, uh, give us again, kind of a new perspective on our spiritual practices. Yes. Uh, you know, I think you'd mentioned earlier about... Um, you know, something I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it reminded me that we are both spiritual and physical. And so, right. you know, as Catholics, we we need the smells and the bells and the kneeling and the standing and uh, all of those ways of engaging the five senses so that our spiritual sense is more attentive uh, to the movements of the Lord. And so, yeah, sometimes just simply um, learning how to do that physically, whether that's kneeling, uh, whether that's sitting in a different place, whether that's changing the aesthetic around us so that we're more um, less distracted and, and more attentive. Um, but, you know, also, uh, more rested sometimes, or even having a cup of coffee, <laughs> um, in an appropriate place, not in the church, please. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, uh, all, all of the sorts of, um, things that you can do, but you know, it's funny is actually breathing is a big deal. Uh-huh. How we sort of breathe, how we sort of relax the body, um, you know, all of these even non-Christian practices that talk about things like meditation have sort of postures and breathing and things like that. And, and uh, I think, you know, there's, there's a physicality um, that's, that is important in prayer. And I think how we take deep breaths and, and hold those things in can dispose us uh, to better prayer as well. Mm. That's very good. Very good points there, Father, too. Uh, let's go now to Lisa calling in from Tempe, Arizona. Lisa, welcome to The Inner Life. Hello. Um, I just had a comment that uh, I was able to overcome some of my sloth from uh, joining an apostolate, and I had to commit to uh, a holy hour, which I've tried to do for years. And because I put the good of another before myself, I committed to an hour a week on Wednesday, and I chose a day at our parish that has adoration and evening mass, and I pray one hour a week for our parish priest. So I can't not show up because I made the commitment for another person, and it's really helped me, helped me by myself and hopefully helping him. I love that. And um, I I use that word love very specifically here because um, it is an act of love. It's an act of sacrifice for another. And that that actually is very much what will overcome in us, and it's love. Um, Christ's love for us, but also the response of love for him and, and out of love for others. And, you know, it's funny, we started this show with, um, you know, talking about your dog. And <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, last year I, I got a dog 
And I intentionally did that for a similar reason. It's not as, you know, it's not as probably noble as, as uh, a holy hour for my priest uh, or my bishop or something <laughs> of this sort. But I did it because I knew that um, it would help me to get up and to care for another, another living creature, um, to take it on walks, to feed it, to make sure that it has affection, that it would draw me out of myself when I was away from the parish and, and help me uh, to choose uh, out of care for this creature um, to not settle into sort of a spirit of sloth uh, when I'm home. Wow. And uh, that's true. You can do that. You can, you can do that for your friends, your family, your children, your priest. And yeah, that can be a great, uh, a great effect, um, against sloth. And so love is, is the way of conquering sloth. So I, I think that's a, a great, great thought. Yeah. I think you nailed it, Lisa. I think that's exactly, I love that line father of, um, f- now it's for the good of another. And I was able to, to take it on because now I'm, it's not just about me. And that's another thing. I think we've mentioned it before in the program already, but I think it is worth underscoring, right? That, Sloth has effects not just on our own life, uh, our own spiritual life, but on the lives of those around us too. We can influence for if we're giving in, that can influence for the for the bad, for the evil, uh, and lies around us. But if we're if and that's as you just said, one way of overcoming it is to look to the good of those around us. And I would say, you know, generally speaking, we're pretty good at doing that for the people who are close to us and immediate in our lives. Um, parents do this for their, their children all the time. Uh, we're out of love for their kids. They do the hard things. And uh, that's part of their vocation, their path to becoming a saint, of becoming holy. Uh, what I've seen sometimes is, though, that when parents leave the house and then the parents are um, perhaps even entering into retirement, that uh, it's not quite the same. And there's sometimes a transformation, which I think is good, of sort of now putting that into the spiritual realm and realizing, wow, I can, I'm going to pray for my kids. I'm going to pray for my, my grandchildren um, through the things that I do in my spiritual practices. And um, there's a sort of sense of uh, understanding in the spiritual life where we realize that, ah, yes, my prayer, my intercession, the spiritual practice that I have can truly and really be offered for others and especially for my kids. But but it is a difficult transition to go from, it's so easy when they're like right in front of you and they need their diaper changed or they, you know, they need to go to the doctor or something like that yeah. um, to sacrifice in that moment and to do that out of love for your kid. Sometimes it's hard to do that in the spiritual life, but if we recognize that reality, um, that can be a great medicine for sloth. Yeah, yeah very good. Only a few seconds before your blessing, your father. But uh, one of the things I wanted to hit upon, too, was you, you mentioned good examples. I mean, we can turn to the lives of the saints and see their diligence, can't we? And, and that's going to inspire us as well. Yes, the saints are always inspiring. And um, more than that, they're, they also uh, intercede for us. And, um, you know, asking for that help is so necessary in the spiritual life. And, and the saints, uh, both those models and those intercessors and our friends, too. Uh, and uh, they teach us how to be friends with the Lord. Amen to that. Father, great conversation and great advice from you. Thank you so much for being our spiritual director today. May we have a blessing from you, please? Of course. Heavenly God bless all of those listening, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, here is uh, my wish for you this over this weekend. I pray that uh, this weekend will be filled with some spiritual consolation, some good things that you see arising from your diligence, from your attentiveness to all the details of your spiritual life. If you know somebody who'd like to listen to this program, you can always go to relevantradio.com slash inner life and share the, share this program with others. 
Thanks for tuning in this time. On Monday, we're going to be talking about healing in all of its aspects, spiritual, emotional, physical, with our spiritual director, Father John Ecker. Up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with Father Brian Belongi. Till next time, grace and peace.